Hello and welcome to Kernel of Truth, a podcast about networking infrastructure. I'm Rupa. And I'm Rama. On today's episode, we'll be talking to David Liggett, founder of Data Center Hawk. Today, we'll be talking about the growth and expansion of data centers throughout the world. David, thanks for joining us on this episode. You bet. Great to be here, and I'm excited to get to share with you some of the things that we have learned about and also get your perspective as well. That's awesome. Really looking forward to talking to you about this, David. Um, maybe we can just start off. Do you want to enlighten our listeners? What is Data Center Hawk, right? How was it founded, and what do you folks do? Absolutely. Uh, so we started Data Center Hawk back in 2014, and uh, the 32nd version is I had come out of the commercial real estate industry and had been helping companies uh, locate their data center infrastructure, figure out what to do from a strategic perspective with their infrastructure decisions. And I always felt like there was never a good kind of industry source of truth for market data uh, to help uh, companies make the best decisions possible. So we started Data Center Hawk back in 2014 uh, with the mission of helping data center industry professionals make uh, the best decisions possible. So we collect data related to how a market is growing and how the greater, greater market is growing. We put it on our platform and then we have data center providers, investors, consultants, vendors, and users that subscribe to that data to help them in their decision-making process as they invest or uh, buy data center infrastructure uh, all over the world. That's really cool, right? And I think you touched on something pretty uh, key here, right? When most people think about data centers, they might only see it as a form of technological unit, right? It's a collection of servers and it's just a collection of compute nodes and interconnections and networking capabilities. But if you actually look and, you know, I hate bringing the stock market into this, but a lot of big data center companies are actually listed as um, real estate uh, entities, right? REITs um, on brokerages, right? They're not actually listed as technology companies. Uh, and so I think real estate is a real important factor when we actually talk about data centers themselves. Yeah. And it's one of the interesting components of the data center market, specifically around, you know, all of this exponential growth that we have seen, especially during or, you know, highlighted during the pandemic as companies, you know, sent their workers to, you know, work from home, we saw an increase in the data center infrastructure needed to accommodate that growth. And that all exists within physical buildings, uh, you know, lo located around the world. A lot of these buildings are located near, uh, you know, power and fiber where all that comes together uh, these are highly expensive buildings uh, to build and it's one of the reasons that uh, to be honest it's a smaller market because it is so capital intensive uh, to build but you mentioned it uh, exactly there are about 10 publicly traded REITs uh, that are very large companies that owns uh, only data facilities so the, the buildings that are holding these servers uh, and all the equipment needed to make sure that these companies IT infrastructure runs correctly yeah, so I was just, I'm just curious whether, you know, cloud providers also use this platform to scale out their data center, right, as in different geographical regions as well. Yeah, we definitely see that. It's been one of the, uh, I would say, uh, components that's changed the data center industry the most over the last few years has been the growth of, of data center or cloud uh, operators and how they've chosen to scale over time. Uh, if you think about, you know, businesses in general and how 
we have utilized technology in a in so much more of an exponential uh, framework. Um, you know that typically is going on with you know very large cloud service providers, and so they they need scalable um, uh, footprints where they can grow. And a lot of that we categorize on our platform, and you can search by market like specific geography and understand like where those physical locations are. So absolutely, that's uh, that's one of the things that happens on our platform. Interesting. And you do publish this data often at regular intervals or people need to reach out to you guys? Uh, you know, both. We On a quarterly basis, we produce market reports on basically 40 global markets, the, the main markets in, in the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Asia. And so we're tracking those markets specifically, like how they're growing, pricing associated with that demand. Uh, and so that's that's available on a quarterly basis to our subscribers. And then those that have like specific needs sometimes reach out and, and we'll speak to them on those needs uh, individually. David, that's that's amazing. And I think it segues really nicely into kind of the next question that I wanted to ask here is you folks uh, over at Data Center Hawk get all this aggregated data. Where do you see the current growth in data center environments primarily? Yeah, Rama, great question. And it's certainly one, it's like one that we're tracking, you know, every day. It's it's for us, that's where we spend all of our time is, you know, trying to understand, okay, what geographic region, what area is growing the most? So I can, I'm going to highlight some of these areas because I think probably for some, even like that are in this industry, maybe that, that, that sell into the industry or provide services around the industry, you know, some of this I think they would know, and then maybe some other uh, markets and things like that might be surprises. So the largest, uh, let's focus on North America for a minute, the largest data center market in the world uh, is in Northern Virginia. And this is the area that's right outside of Washington, D.C. So it's not in the downtown area, but it's you know right outside. So an area like that um, has is probably four times larger than any other data center market. Uh, certainly in the U.S., maybe two times larger than any other market in the world. And you will see massive data center facilities here. So we're talking, you know, 500,000 square feet, 750,000 square feet of, you know, buildings with 50 generators and UPS systems, all the equipment that it takes to do this. Um, and then other areas like in the U.S. that are are not as big, but are certainly are certainly have a lot of activity. Northern California, so Silicon Valley, we see a lot of growth in the, that market. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Chicago, Phoenix, all of those are really the main data center markets in the U.S., and that's where we see most of the growth taking place. An interesting thing about the United States is the initial data center buildouts tend to be geographically relevant to sometimes where the actual large corporate entities are, right? In Northern Virginia, when I've worked with customers, the customers that trend towards Northern Virginia are, are more government-focused. Uh, whether that is something as simple as, say, you know, the science administration or, you know, a weather administration, all the way down to like defense and, you know, three-letter um, organizations within the defense department. Uh, that that tends to be kind of where we see a lot of the Virginia data centers. But you're right, uh, you know, and in addition, in Northern California, where we tend to see a lot of that is the Silicon Valley style uh, companies building up major data centers out in those areas because they're geographically relevant to those um, uh, facilities, right? But I think we're starting to see a larger disaggregation of 
uh, the location of the data center independent to where headquarters or even where offices may be located because of the centralization of information. Uh, do you know of any trends associated with that uh, workflow where the data center location themselves are agnostic to where a company may be located? That's a great question. I think there are a lot of companies that have recognized that location has become maybe, I would say, both less important and more important, just depending on the company and the strategic nature of what the location is actually doing from a, from an infrastructure standpoint. Uh, you know, I always tell people you can build a data center anywhere. It just costs money and takes time. And so what we have found, at least in our experience, has been most of those infrastructure decisions seem to, um, over time, you know, over the last five years, the timelines are compressed even more because of the importance of getting that infrastructure online and companies have wanted to do it as, you know, cost effectively as possible. So when you put those two things together, these locations tend to be around areas where, you know, there is a, there is that power and connectivity infrastructure. There is a, a labor workforce. Data centers don't require, you know, hundreds of people like an office building would, but they certainly require, um, you know, engineers and, and uh, facility uh, uh, workers that can run the facility in a way that it, that it needs to be operated. And so that's why we've seen the growth really take place near some of these, you know, larger cities. And then I would say there is something about a company's desire to have somewhat of a, while it doesn't need to necessarily be in their building, they do like to be within a certain proximity to if they are leasing infrastructure to whatever building, um, you know, that might be in. And, and we have seen that take place. And I, I would, I would wonder from your perspective, I mean, obviously you all are in this market, you know, every day as it relates to with customers and what their needs are, but have you seen those timelines compress just from what they're ordering from you? I mean, how have you seen the kind of that strategic decision-making process from your standpoint and just the timelines associated with it? That's a great question. One of the, the nuances we've seen is based on the expansion of uh, work from home and also just the absolute proliferation on desired access to data, specifically over uh, you know the internet and the cloud, whether that data resides in private or public or hybrid data centers, um, hybrid cloud environments, we're, we saw a huge expansion in the desire for a lot of enterprise industries to try and accelerate uh, the new paradigm that we're living in within the past two years, right? Uh, and, and we're seeing it across a lot of different industries, right? So, you know, for example, for healthcare, uh, we saw that there was a huge push to do uh, to provide much more remote um, care and you know, telemedicine uh, assistance, right, to reduce the amount of risk associated with hospital visits during COVID. Um, e-commerce, as you know, there's been so many um, economics and business talking points about how e-commerce has absolutely taken off in the past uh, you know, 19, 20 months, right? Even companies like FedEx and UPS were completely uh, swamped with deliveries because everyone flocked to their local computers to basically buy goods and use all their pent up money that they weren't using for travel anymore. And I think all those um, factors, right? Uh, and that's just two examples, healthcare and retail, but we're seeing it across um, cloud hosting, um, across uh, web hosting and um, a lot of other different industries here. And that has basically 
put a supercharge on a lot of companies' plans to adopt and migrate their services to a fundamentally online um, presence. And I, I hesitate to say online first, but the trends that I'm seeing, not just in the IT spend across networking and the adoption of various different services, but also across the conversations that we're having with these companies on modern AI-based technologies, much more focus on, say, inference engines for um, e-commerce companies, right? Organizations that traditionally weren't planning a huge e-commerce presence are now all of a sudden using it as their primary goal. And that's all putting a huge pressure on this massive expansion. Now, companies that didn't that were happy with just some small private cloud data centers running, uh, you know, in the basement of their headquarters. Now we're looking for massive rows and fleets of dedicated data center space in these, uh, you know, centralized locations for that environment. Yeah, we've even seen the way those those types of industries approach their like data center infrastructure decision making change over the last, you know, five years related to that. And and you, you highlighted a few of them. I mean, I think the healthcare industry is a really interesting one because of some of the, you know, there is such a need. I think we would all agree there's such a need for the digitization of the healthcare market as a whole. And, but, but it's, it's very, uh, uh, labor and time intensive and it's really hard for a lot of healthcare companies hospitals you know to build consensus among their teams uh, as well as know how to operate within the regulatory environment that exists for them given the sensitivity around the data that they are um, are storing to make decisions and put their infrastructure in a place that you know, can grow the way it needs to over time. So that's that's been an interesting market to watch. We typically see that the healthcare industry tends to lag behind, you know, other, you know, more forward thinking industry um, uh, industries like, as an example, the financial uh, industry, you know, probably 10 years ago, these were companies that traditionally wanted to own and build their own data centers because they wanted the control. They wanted to know that like like in areas like northern New Jersey, um, you know, I, I didn't mention an area like Frankfurt, um, but the, these in Germany, these were areas where companies really wanted to have the control of their, you know, uh, uh, data center from a financial perspective. And and we saw that shift over time to where they could actually get comfortable with leasing applications or uh, utilizing cloud to tie into applications specifically that help them either from a trading perspective or just from a data storage perspective. Um, and once they figured out how to adhere to the strict compliance guidelines that companies like that needed to, uh, they were able to really shift their infrastructure. So it's really interesting to watch like the paradigm of companies maybe that are on the, the slower end because of some of the challenges they have to deal with internally you know, but also companies that are on the, the the faster end. And I'd love, you know, from your standpoint, maybe how have you seen those types of companies, you know, deploy different types of hardware or applications in those build requirements? You know, whether you're thinking of of those financial companies or healthcare companies, I mean, I think where you all sit's really interesting because you are interfacing with them. So what have you seen from that perspective? Yeah, that's actually an interesting and uh, curious question, right? I think you're right where we do tend to see healthcare lag the market 
more than, say, financial companies. Financial companies driven by revenues, driven by competition, uh, driven very much by performance. Uh, they're generally a little bit more, I don't want to say risk tolerant, but they're way more willing to take certain risks, obviously calculated risks. And I think you're right. You stated that they went from having, say, data centers that were maybe local to um, centralizing them, right? Um, and that came with a whole new set of technological requirements on the actual network and application space itself. Um, they became more aware and more interested in how to properly segregate networks. If you deploy in the cloud, what, um, how much of that data is exposed within your own environment to the cloud provider or other um, entities that are using the same cloud hosting service, right? And what kind of guarantees can be provided with regards to those compliance? And I think healthcare, on the other hand, hasn't been willing to step into that risk paradigm as much. We still see in a lot of the conversations that I have specifically for that industry, I still tend to see data center uh, locations being built local to hospitals or in land owned by those um, healthcare organizations themselves because data patriation is very critical in that um, case. Whereas I think in the technology industry, data patriation um, became a normal, uh, normal standard way back when people got really comfortable with just deploying their applications into the cloud and storing data in like centralized data lakes long time ago, right? And they felt really comfortable doing that. And I think finance followed after that. But healthcare, I still think, is um, uh, lagging behind it uh, in, in many different ways. And I think retail is moving in the direction of technology because they're just kind of being forced to. Anyone nowadays can kind of throw up a website, you know, drop ship their content, and they're immediately a player in the retail space. So if you're a big box retailer, you got to be able to be as agile and flexible as that. I'd love to ask you a question kind of stemming from that, right? We're talking about how in healthcare, uh, you know, we still see local uh, data centers, whereas in finance, we're seeing more of a shift towards a technology-based company style where there's more of a cloud-based or even centralized location uh, approach. Do you see any major changes in the way that, uh, for example, cloud versus edge computing is deployed? Within our realm here, we're seeing a lot of more aggressive push towards edge functionality. And I think that there's two different ways you can do that, either peering directly and deploying small sites, uh, small data center sites all throughout uh, various different locations, or peering with um, hosting providers or even uh, uh, even ISPs to basically run applications on their edge platforms themselves. Um, as those kind of uh, technologies uh, kind of expand, they almost provide two different geographic pulls towards uh, data center needs. Do you folks see um, over at Data Center Hawk any really major changes or any expansions or directionality in those um, two different industry trends? We've seen a lot of capital spent towards trying to understand and figure out the edge growth and opportunities. You know, I would say over the last five years, it's certainly been a uh, a maybe a buzzword within our industry related to the shift in strategic approach from, you know, the centralization to the decentralized and how to get to the end customer faster uh, and serve, you know, that, that it would serve the application um, better and the end user better. What we haven't seen, which is, a, I think it's important to note is, you know, companies that have, that are, that are actually like deploying their own, 
you know, 100, 200 locations where they're going out and they're acquiring the real estate or they're figuring out how to do that, even within some of the edge data center solutions that are that are already in the market. Um, but I think what we are seeing is certainly the technologies being set up for that, you know, things like 5G and, you know, some other things that maybe make sense to talk about on like another podcast or episode. But um, I think it's those type of technologies that people believe are going to be the expansion that allows a lot of that or, or the fuel to expand companies to where they will need 100 sites very quickly. But but I, I do think that there are there are business applications now that, that that companies are really trying to understand and figure out exactly what you mentioned, which is how do we get you know closer to the to where the need is. And uh, because it, it provides a better experience for the end user and the customer, you know, that's how we've seen it over the last, you know, several years. The way we look at the market is, is geography based. So like as an example in the Chicago data center market, we could tell you where every, you know, co-location data center is and typically how big it is and what they have and all those different components. Our edge tracking is v- very different um, and it's not like we're tracking, you know, the thousands of edge locations that are out there. Although there are, you know, I would say hundreds of locations that are out there. It's just uh, maybe it hasn't taken off uh, yet to the extent that we think it will. And I think the market thinks it, w- it will just based on, you know, even the comments that you made. I want to go back to your geographical distribution data. And uh, I want to ask, how much of your research or data factors in environmental cost for you know sustainability reasons or in other words what are the sustainability trends in the market data that you put out ruba that's that is like on the front uh obviously leading edge of you know how people uh that are in our market are are building and thinking about how they grow you know a lot of the sustainability measures in place uh, certainly have to do with the resources that are needed to power and cool these data center facilities. So a lot of the, from a development side, if you think about just the overall construction or, or the building and the grow, growth of these data center facilities, uh, you know, I, I would tell you that um, may, those REITs that we talked about, I would say the major cloud service providers that are out there all have uh, I would say sophisticated sustainability plans that are pushing towards renewable energy. And if they're not there today, there's a, there's a pathway to get there. You know, it might be by 2030, could be by 2028, but there is certainly a pathway to do that. And there's also a lot of focus right now on the use of water and making sure that number one, data centers are designed in a way that minimize the use of water where they can from a cooling standpoint uh, but then also that they're locating them in areas where you can take advantage of uh, opportunities that have to do with things like recycled water and different plans that that don't tax, that don't hurt the the, the local environments mm-hmm. because they're taxing all of the the local resources. If that makes sense, so I would just say that it's on the it's on the mindset of every data center operator. And I would say data center big user that is out there today because they realize, hey, in order to make our infrastructure work, it takes a lot of you know resources. You know, over the last 10 years, the design of, of data center facilities has significantly changed to become more efficient. 
and that's just been as the industry has matured. So I think those things in tandem working together um, will put our industry in a, in the best pl- best spot it can be, you know, as it relates to sustainability in the future. So do you have to work with government organizations or collect data globally? I mean, or you have feeds that you subscribe to for all this information or even data, the people who are building the data center itself or maintaining it? Yes, we 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 collect data in, in a number of different ways. I mean, one is from some like outside sources that we can basically take the data in. But I, but I would tell you our um, you know not our secret sauce, but something maybe that makes us different is we have relationships with you know the top data center providers in the world, and we're working with them to help build data sets that that are good for the industry, that help them when they're thinking about how to go spend their next $200 million that help large cloud service providers figure out where to go and how much power costs in that market and how big you can build a data center facility. It helps uh, vendors that are serving the market really figure out, hey, we we need to build a team around how to sell into the data center industry and we need data to help do that. So uh, our relationships with data center providers that are out there have been really helpful because you know, that's not information you can just find or get anywhere. It's, it's a yeah. trust data set that we work with them on and, and, uh, and that, that benefits everybody. David, kind of to round that out, um, you know, uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, geographic location and supply chain. A lot of the sites that you said were the largest growing, right? Northern Virginia, Northern California, Dallas, Fort Worth, Chicago, Phoenix. And then in Europe, you got like, you know, London, Frankfurt, Amsterdam, uh, you know, and, and I think in Asia Pacific, uh, you know, we were chatting before this podcast, Singapore, Hong Kong, Sydney, these are all major metropolitan areas where you're talking about some of the most expensive land in the world in some cases, right? Like Hong Kong, London, you know, uh, Northern California, everyone knows those places are really expensive to buy land, right? So there's always been this question in the industry is why don't we just move our data centers to where land is cheap? Um, But then one of the challenges that we face that we see, at least from the sales side of uh, as a vendor trying to sell uh, data center goods is, um, shipping, right? Making sure that gear can get there uh, on time to a secure location in a reliable way, right? And that RMAs can be processed and that there's solid supply chains. Can you talk a little bit about um, any insights you have in the industry regarding the balance between the costs associated with building data centers near metropolitan areas where a lot of people are consuming it versus offsetting the cost into a lower cost location, but it being maybe harder to actually sustain reliable supply chains from? Yeah, that's such a good question. And and mainly because we've seen those trends take place in our industry. There have been situations where companies do build data center facilities where the land is is less expensive than some of the markets that you mentioned. And you're right on. I mean, real estate in some of those areas is, is very high. Um, there's a couple of factors to consider. One is most of the time, real estate, and, and you all would know this better than anyone, is a small component when you think of all, uh, from a cost standpoint, when you think of all of the money that is spent on gear, hardware, the UPS systems, the generators, the, all the equipment that goes into the facility. So um, so sometimes that's you can justify a, a higher land cost because the strategic nature of the facility and and the business opportunity that it serves. So that's one of the reasons that we've seen, you know, those 
facilities actually land in probably bigger markets than smaller markets. But you you do experience some challenges when you you know do think about you know a, a market that has a smaller population size, a smaller labor workforce, um, and it you have to be I think smart and thoughtful about where those are. I will tell you there are some what I'd call secondary markets in you know the the, the countries that you mentioned that are uh, big enough to receive interest but small enough to maybe capture less expensive real estate or just more a more affordable option. Some examples of that include places like Portland, Oregon. There's an area right outside of Portland called Hillsboro that's a, a growing data center market. It's smaller, but it's certainly growing. Salt Lake City is another good example of that. Columbus, Ohio. Uh, as you move over into Europe, uh, if you think about areas like Berlin, uh, the, the Nordics, there's areas like Madrid, some of those smaller areas, but have a population size that's that's notable that um, is receiving some of that interest. And then in APAC, the markets are a little bit um, smaller, but there's there's a heavy population size over there. So it, it's something to be considered. And and I would just say it's a balance. And Rama, every organization is different, like how they look at those type of decisions. Some are more comfortable with being in those secondary markets, but some prefer to be in areas where there's an, you know, they might have to pay more, but the logistics are easier from all the things you mentioned. So David, the future of data centers, as we know, with new technologies like AI, 5G, IoT, and all that coming into play uh, in the next few years, we see it evolving in different directions. What is your take on how it's, how the trend looks or how, where is it going to go? What should we be looking out for? Yeah, well, 2020 was the biggest growth period in the data center industry that we'd ever seen. And, you know, with the pandemic, it forced the the fortunate and at times the unfortunate uh, digitization of a lot of companies, IT infrastructure and how they went about their business. And so um, I think you're seeing a world in 2021 that is in a much more mature position to handle the the technologies, Rupa, that you just mentioned. Um, and so when we look at that maturity as from a data center user perspective, as well as, um, you know, where those technologies are and the supply and supply chain uh, logistics that have been figured out and are in a position to grow, we we see, you know, really from 2021 to 2023, a tremendous growth period in this market. And, and I would say that globally, I mean, we could point to like the Mac or the, the micro markets that you'll see more of that in. We talked about uh, some of those uh, on the podcast, but, you know, we are very bullish um, in this in this market. And there's there's a lot of you know reasons why, which can be talked about, you know, another time. But uh, we we really think that the next you know two or three years are going to be a really strong growth period for this market. That's great. Thanks. Thanks, David. And we would love to have you again on the podcast. David, thanks so much for uh, joining us on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for uh, the opportunity. It was great to brainstorm with you all and get to hear your perspective. And we look forward to the next one. And thank you for listening to Kernel of Truth. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you're notified when the ex next episode is posted.